Welcome to New Life with Adam Camp. This podcast is a ministry of Rosemont Baptist Church in LaGrange, Georgia. Please visit us on the web at rosemontchurch.org. Enjoy the podcast. again for the opportunity now to study your word to open the truth of of what you've given us Lord just help us to to understand and to to sense your presence through your word speak to us through your word Father may we be transformed more and more into the image of your son Jesus Christ it's in his name that we pray amen take your Bible open up to Revelation chapter 7 Revelation chapter 7. We are continuing our study this morning in our sermon series that we've entitled Tension. It's a discussion of faith versus culture, and we're taking a look at cultural issues, difficult cultural issues that we struggle with, that we don't understand, that we're not quite sure how we should respond to, and we're taking a look at then biblically and understanding as believers how we should respond. Now, I've kind of been teasing each one of these sermons over the last several weeks to kind of let you know where we're going, and I'll ask you again to pray for me next week. I've got to really get into the sermon for next week and study because I'm not quite sure yet where it's going to go, but I'm going to tackle next week, hashtag me too. I'm not quite sure where that's going to lead, but I feel like we need to talk about it because I think what goes along parallel with that is this phrase, toxic masculinity. How many have heard that phrase? A few of you? Well, you need to read a little bit more current events, people. It's out there, okay? Toxic masculinity. It's a real thing. Goes kind of hand in hand with the Me Too movement. Pray for me that God would just open up my eyes and really open up our hearts uh, to all Scripture says. That will be next week. Today, I'm going to talk about and we're going to study biblically the idea of racism. Now, I want to define this before we go too far into this and before we jump into the text and make sure we're all on the same page. Racism can be defined as prejudice, discrimination, antagonism directed against someone of a different race based on the belief that one's own race is superior. It's kind of making the decision, I'm not going to like that person based on the color of their skin or their ethnic background or, or where they're from or the language they speak. It's kind of making this decision beforehand based on those things. And we know in our society, it seems, at least in the last few years, that racial tensions at times seem like they're going to boil over. We've seen on TV the, the racial riots. We, we've seen the racially motivated murders. We've heard all the rhetoric and and all the talk. And and I need to remind you, racism is not just limited to America, mind you. (laughs) You find it all over the world. And and, in fact, a lot of the atrocities in history have been racially motivated. The the worldwide slave trade, racially motivated, obviously. Holocaust in Germany. Genocide in Rwanda. Other atrocities all over the world, racially based. And we can argue about the extent of racism or how much it affects different people where... I don't want to argue about that so much. I want to just kind of all agree that it does exist and begin to tackle the question, what should we do about it? 
Like as believers, how do we respond to this? How do we change it? Now, I'm fully aware. I'm not naive enough to think we're going to answer the question and solve all the problems in the next 30 minutes. But I do want to take a biblical approach and a biblical understanding of what Scripture says and figure out how we should apply that to our lives. Now, I have a degree in history, and I taught history for a number of years, and I enjoy history. So usually for me, when I look at kind of cultural current events, I, I take... I try to at least take a bigger picture view than just the last few years. I want to take a step back and look at the last 50 years, the last 100 years, maybe the last 1,000 years. But instead of looking backwards this morning when we think about the idea of racism, instead I want to look ahead and I want to really take an eternal view and an eternal perspective of exactly where we're going and what it will one day look like and then figure out if we can make, make that happen now on this earth. Now, the book of Revelation written by the Apostle John, many of you know, when he was on exile on the island of Patmos, the Lord gave him visions. The Lord gave him this incredible ability through the Holy Spirit to look ahead and to see what one day would be in heaven. And so the the context of what we're going to read in Revelation 7 is the Apostle John looking into heaven to how it will one day be. So John chapter 7, beginning in verse 9, we have it on the screen for you to read. We're going to read a few verses and really kind of focus in on two of them. Revelation chapter 7, beginning in verse 9, the words of John looking ahead into heaven one day. After this I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes, with palm branches in their hands. By the way, that's a a throwback kind of a reminder of Jesus entering into Jerusalem for the final week. The people bring out the palm branches. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, Palm Sunday. Ironically enough, many of those same people in Jerusalem a week later would be crying for his execution, for his crucifixion. Not so in heaven now. These are believers. These are saints Palm branches in hand, verse 10, crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures, and they fell on their faces before the throne and worshipped God, saying, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever. Amen. Now I want to give you, out of these few verses, some really important biblical truth. We'll look at these truths together, and then I want, to, I want to make sure you see them in Scripture. Right? My intent is never to tell you what I think. My intent instead is to teach you the Word of God, help you to apply it to your lives. Truth number one, we have it on the screen, very simply, all races are included in heaven. All races are included in heaven. Now, I want you to see this scripturally, right? I want you to notice this in verse 9. So pull up Revelation 7, verse 9. I want you to look at it with me again. After this I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number from the United States. That's not what it says, is it? That's that's where a lot of us think. Now, I'm going to tackle that here in just a few minutes. A lot of us think that. doesn't say just from the United States or just a few countries, or just a few people, or just a couple of skin colors. Every nation, right? And just so we're not confused, we're talking about every tribe. Just so we're not confused, we're talking about every people and every language, right? So you can't make this distinction. Well, he's talking about nations, not people groups, not language. He's talking about everybody here. 
It's everybody. It's, it's all nations. It's all tribes. It's all peoples. It's all languages. It, it's all races. Everybody one day will be included in heaven. That's important for us to understand because John notices some things in this text that sometimes I think we miss. One of the things I love about what John says is that he notices, this is important, the writer of Revelation, as he looks into heaven, he notices and sees that there are different nationalities and races. Now, I want you to go back and notice, what are they they all wearing? Right? They're wearing uh, the the white robe, and they're standing before the Lord. They're clothed in white robes, palm branches. So they all dress the same. They're not dressed in, in some sort of a, a cultural different. I mean, sometimes you can tell where people are from in the world based on what they dress in and what they wear. Not so with these people. They're all clothed in white. They're all wearing a palm, uh, holding a palm branch, waving, saying the same thing. Yet John notices that they're different. Now, here's what some people say, and I understand the sentiment. I understand the idea, and I understand the heart. Some people say something like this. I don't even really see the color of skin. I get that, I understand and appreciate that. That heart is right, right? We shouldn't care about the color of skin, but I want to make a little bit of a distinction for you scripturally. John does notice the color of skin. He does notice the different races. He does notice the different nationalities. And instead of that becoming divisive, it's celebrated. You understand that? It's not as if John says, I can't tell where people are from. There's a bunch of people in white robes. They all look. John says, no, 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 there's different. I can tell there's different cultures up here. Different ethnicities, people from different countries, different races, different languages. There are all sorts of different people up here. And I'm not going to say they're, they're separated. I'm going to say we're together and we're going to celebrate that together. Right? Far too often, we let different nationalities or tribes or different peoples or languages or colors of skin, far too often we let those things separate us. Not so in heaven. Not so in heaven. John says, listen, I see the difference, and I'm going to celebrate the difference because that's the way God created them. Many of you have been married uh, for a number of years, some far longer than I have. We've been married almost 21 blissful, amazing, incredible years. And I mean that. It's been fantastic. I do mean that, seriously. But the first couple years, if you've been married, you know you learn things about each other you didn't know you were getting yourself into. And you begin to realize, more so than probably you've ever realized, that men and women are vastly different. And oftentimes within a marriage, things are vastly different, right? I mean, Amy and I are very different in a lot of ways. Right? So kind of the, we have the small little things that we, we laugh about, right? The toothpaste issue. She doesn't like to put the top on toothpaste. I'm probably a little too ridiculous about it. So when we were first married, I used to put it on there really, really tight just to kind of make a point. That didn't last long. Praise the Lord. I got over that in a hurry. But the things that we kind of maybe bickered or argued a little bit about the first couple years of marriage, the differences as we've matured and grown and our love has increased in our marriage, we laugh about those things now. It's not a big deal to us anymore. Why? Because we're very different. Praise the Lord, she's very different because she has incredible strengths that I don't have. I have strengths that she doesn't have. But instead of those differences dividing us, we've decided, because we love one another and are committed to our marriage, we've decided we're going to make this work and we're going to celebrate those differences instead of letting them cause division within our marriage. It's it's the same thing with different cultures and and different races and different ethnic groups. God created us differently for a reason. It's like a, a beautiful tapestry. We have different strengths and different weaknesses. And when we celebrate those things, God is honored. Instead of causing division, they should cause celebration. 
Something else I want you to notice that, that John shows us in heaven. This is important, right? And this is kind of thinking a little bit about where we are in our current culture right now. John, basically, when he looks in heaven, he sees all the different nationalities and the languages and the tribes and the people groups and the races. No one, he says to us, is excluded from heaven based on their nationality or their language or their race, right? There's a great multitude. Pull that verse up. There's a great multitude so that no one can count from every nation, not just from a couple of nations, not just from a couple of places, right? God doesn't exclude any of those people, neither should we. God says one, one of these days, when we get there, we're going to see that all these people are included into the body of Christ. Galatians 3, 28 says so there, there's neither Jew nor Greek, there, there's neither slave nor free, there's, there's no male, there's no female, for we are all one in Christ Jesus. So I want, I want to make a, this, this ought to be kind of obvious to you at this point, but it's not. I just want to say it as, as clearly as I can to make sure you don't misunderstand kind of the idea here and the, the big point of this sermon. Very simply, racism is a sin. Racism is a sin, Period. Now, John says, excuse me, James says in chapter 2, verse 1, don't you listen to what James says. My brothers, show no partiality as you hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. He goes on to say a little farther down in James chapter 2, if you really fulfill the royal law according to Scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You're doing well. Watch this. Now, here it is, verse 9 of James 2. But if you show partiality, and there's a lot of things we could say about what partiality means, but if you show partiality, you are committing sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. James is, is very clear about this. Billy Graham said it like this. He said, racism is a sin precisely because it keeps us from obeying God's command to love our neighbor and because it has its roots in pride and arrogance. Christians who harbor racism in their attitudes or actions are not following their Lord at this point. For Christ came to bring reconciliation, reconciliation between us and God, and reconciliation between each other. He came to accept us as we are, whoever we are, from every tribe and language and people and nation. Right, so, so let's make a, a connection here. I want to be very clear. If all races and people and nationalities and people groups and languages are in heaven one day, that means that Jesus died for all those people. That means when, when Jesus came and died on the cross, it was for all of those people. And I, and I love what John says here. He, he says not only are there other races, but there's a lot of them. Pull that verse back up if you begin for me. I looked and behold a great multitude that no one could number. You know, I often think about heaven and what heaven's one day going to be like. And Scripture gives us some, some real clear indications and pictures of what heaven's going to be like. But one of the things that, that I guess I'm looking most forward to is, is every believer from all times throughout history will be together in heaven. You understand that? For, from thousands of years past to however long it goes in the future, all of those believers will be together one day in heaven celebrating a multitude so great that no one could number. Now, I'm going to step on your toes for a second. I hope I step on your toes. But I hope you, it opens your eyes a little bit. I want to say something. I want you to hear this. This is important. I fear that far too many believers and Christians, especially in the South, think that heaven is going to be filled with a bunch of white people from Georgia. 
That's kind of our mindset. Now, let me affirm to you, I hope heaven is filled with a lot of white people from Georgia. But I know, biblically, we're going to be the great minority. You understand what I'm saying? Because there are going to be tribes and tongues and languages and nations from all over the world throughout history. I've had just the incredible, really, privilege over the last several years of going to different parts of the world and, and preaching and teaching Sharing Christ, training pastors, that's one of the great joys of my life, to have been able to do that and looking forward to many, many more in the future. I'm going to India here in just a few weeks and doing that again. But I think about one day when I get to heaven and all the people that I've met over the years and all the differences between us, and I think of all these believers that I now know and have a relationship with, I'm going to see those people in heaven one day. Those of you that have been with us to Zambia, Africa, Malinga, I love Malinga. I love Malinga. Malinga's a Zambian man that works there in the orphanage. He's a godly man, a Christian man. Malinga and I have very little in common other than we're believers. I'll see Malinga one day in heaven. Those of you that have been to South Asia with us, Promote, and, and, and Promote has got this incredible story. Born as a Hindu, has an incredible story of healing, miraculous healing, and salvation through that moment, one day because of his faith in Christ, I'll see promote in heaven. Pastor Raphael that we know so well, many of us, we'll see Pastor Raphael and Maria one day in heaven. Why? Because he's a believer. Pastor Seren in Romania, some of you have met him or know him, one day we'll see him in heaven. Billions and billions of people, a great multitude so great that nobody could count, we'll see them one day in heaven. Why? Because of their love for Christ. Because of who Jesus is. Now, while we're on that topic, I want to say something else, and I, I may blow some of your minds with this. I hope I don't, but I, I ask that you just kind of think through it logically. I just want to make this statement. I feel like I need to say it because I want to be clear about this. And as you think about heaven and one day and, and, and we're worshiping Jesus and what Jesus did and what he gave, here's the statement. Ready? Jesus was not white. Okay, I said it. Nobody threw anything. That's good. No chairs have been thrown. Praise the Lord. Jesus was a Middle Eastern man, right? And so it's, just, it's, it's fascinating to me because I, I, there, there's just a lot, to, a lot going on in the Middle East and a lot of people harbor feelings and I'm not getting into any of that and right or wrong, whatever. Jesus looked like a Middle Eastern man. That's who he was. One writer said it like this, While Christ the Lord transcends skin color and racial divisions, white Jesus has real consequences. In all likelihood, if you close your eyes and picture Jesus, you'll imagine a white man. Without conscious intention or awareness, many of us have become disciples of a white Jesus. Not only is white Jesus inaccurate, he can also inhibit our ability to honor the image of God in people who are not white. Jesus of Nazareth likely had a darker complexion than we imagine, not unlike the olive skin common common uh, skin among Middle Easterners today, right? And so, so here's what we do. We, we, we kind of get all this truth and all this evidence, and Revelation 7 is clear in so many other verses, and we say, you know what? I, I get that, right? There, there should be this idea of, of racial reconciliation and love and unity and celebration, but you say, you know, there, there's, there's just so many differences between so many cultures, and then there's so many differences between so many different races. How do we find common ground? Well, look again at verse 9. Let me read verse 9, and then verse 10 is going to give us the common ground. After this, I looked, and behold, a great multitude no one could number. 
from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne, before the Lamb, clothed in white robes, palm branches in their hands. Verse 10, here's our common ground. Crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Here's truth number two. We are one in Christ. He is our foundation. Period. Doesn't matter where you're from, color of your skin, the food you like, language, so many differences, so many different things that we see and understand in our lives. It doesn't matter about those differences. If we proclaim salvation in Christ, we are one in his body. And John says, one day we'll all be there together. 1 Corinthians 12, 13 says, For in one spirit we are all baptized into one body. Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, we're all made to drink of one spirit. Many of you guys know uh, Pastor Jerome Shipman. How many of you all know Jerome Shipman? Just raise your hand if you know Jerome. Pastor Jerome? Pastor Jerome, has been, he's a, a pastor of an African-American church here in New Macedonia. He's been the pastor of that church now for many, many years. He passed away, I don't know, a month ago, six weeks ago. Pastor Jerome was a pillar, just a godly man a man that loved Christ and loved that church and loved the community in which he lived. And he's going to be greatly missed, by the way. We, we relied, from a church standpoint, we relied very heavily on him in certain aspects and in certain situations. We called Jerome often to ask him some questions and get some advice from him. But Derek Williams, some of you guys know Derek. Derek was his youth pastor for a number of years. Derek is going to be installed as the pastor here in just a few weeks at New Macedonia. And I'm, I'm very excited about what Derek's going to do, and I'm very excited for Derek. And so I called Derek this week, and I reached out to him, and I said, let's just sit down for lunch. Let's just pray together and talk. And so he and I went to lunch and kind of talked through uh, his church and what's going on in his church and the challenges he's facing and just had a great opportunity, just a great time of fellowship together. And I, I said to him, listen, Derek, I'm going to be preaching this week on racism. And I said, what's it going to take for churches especially to kind of get past this racial divide? Because, listen, we can all be in agreement on this, and I hope we are. We can all understand it. But it still is true that 11 o'clock on a Sunday morning is one of the most racially divided times of the week. Uh, we all know that. No need to hide it. It's true. We get it, right? And so we, Derek and I were just talking, what do we do about this? How can we change this? And he said, listen, it's really going to take pastors stepping up and doing things kind of out of the ordinary to break down some of these barriers and some of these walls. What could we do about that? And so I made a, a kind of an executive decision for the church. I just made this decision. You like it or not, I really don't care, honestly. <laughs> I invited Pastor Derek and his church to come worship with us. Now, this is something we've done in the past. We did it years and years ago, back before I was here and many of you were here. In fact, Rosemont helped start that church, New Macedonia, by the way, years ago. And I've always had a great relationship with them. I said, what would it look like if we worshiped together? So we started kicking the idea around. And so we just kind of said, you know what? Why don't we, why don't we want to just kind of put it off? Let's just do it. So we said November the 11th. I realize it's, it's Armistice Day, and we celebrate the veterans and all that have given their lives in foreign wars on the November the 11th. We'll still do that. But we're going to have an opportunity on the 11th of November to worship with New Macedonia. We've invited them here at our 830 service. We did it at 830 for two reasons. One, I can't put them. Just look around. There's nowhere for them to sit right now. Same thing at 11. There's a little room at 8.30, so we're going to squeeze them into our 8.30 service. And then the other reason is they wanted to be able to go back to their church after it was over and have their regular Sunday morning services. So on November the 11th, 8.30 in the morning, New Macedonia will be here worshiping with us. Derek's going to be on stage with me. We're going to pray together. He wanted me to preach. I told him I would if he promised to preach next time. That was our agreement. 
They're going to have their choir. So I'm going to challenge you to do something. This is important, right? There's a, there's a lot of people at 830. I want this place to be packed. I don't want there to be any seats. I want some of y'all to have to wait to the 930 service because you can't get into 830. I want some of y'all to intentionally come to 830 on November the 11th to fill this place up, to worship together with this other church, these godly people, this man of God. I want to fill this place up, and I want some of y'all not to be able to sit and have to stand in the lobby for an hour, praise the Lord, till 930 starts, you can come get a seat. I want you to pray about that. I want you to pray about what the Lord can do through that and how we're going to celebrate the fact that we are different. It's okay that we're different. That's the way God created us, but we're one in Christ. Now, I, need to, I need to wind this thing up. We're, we're running low on time. I'm going to give you the third truth challenging truth. This is where the rubber meets the road, right? We looked at a lot of theology, a lot of biblical truth. The question always is, so what, right? So what? Here's truth number three. We must work hard to have racial unity on earth as it will be in heaven. We need to do everything we can to have racial unity on earth as it will be in heaven. Now, you may remember when Jesus was teaching his disciples, Matthew chapter 5, 6, 7, the Sermon on the Mount, he stood up and he preached this incredible sermon to his followers. And one of the things he did in that sermon is he taught them how to pray. You remember the, the text there, Matthew chapter 6. He says, pray like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. And many of us know this by heart. Your kingdom come, your will be done, where? On earth as it is in heaven. Now we say that, we've probably said it a thousand times growing up, we know it, we understand it, but have we really thought through what it means? Here's what the Lord is teaching us to do. Listen, he says, you need to understand what heaven is going to one day be like, and you need to try to make that happen on the earth. Your will be done on heaven as it is on earth, right? I said that backwards. On earth, I'm glad I caught myself, on earth as it is in heaven, right? So whatever's going to one day be in heaven, you need to pray that it's like that on earth. So how does the kingdom of God appear on earth? It's when we pray, Lord, all the things are going to be in heaven, let them now be on earth. One of them is all the races worshiping together. So how do we do that, right? How do we have this idea of racial unity on the earth as it one day will be in heaven. So I've got several things I'm going to give you, very practical things you can kind of take home, pray about, think about. Based on this scriptural teaching, what should we do, what can we do as believers to kind of combat this prevalent idea of racism? Here's the first thing. They're on the screen, very simply. The first is to acknowledge that racism is a sin. If you can't get past that, you and I need to have another conversation. I'm happy to have it with you. I'm not going to judge you or be mean to you, but I'd like to talk to you about that. It's just real clear biblically. The Bible is very clear. Racism is a sin. Now, we're going to kind of put it in your lap here now on, on the next two. Here's the second thing. Be aware of subtle forms of racism. It's easy to see the big ones, right? We could name the big ones. We know this person is a racist because of X, Y, Z. We, we, we see that. We, we know the big things and the things. We, but the subtle forms oftentimes are harder to see. They're harder to understand, especially within our own hearts. So the third thing we ought to be doing is we ought to be examining our hearts. Right, Psalm 139, beginning in verse 23. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts, and see if there be any grievous way in me. Lead me in the way ever everlasting. In other words, Lord, search my heart. Delve deep within me. Let me know if there's subtle things in my life or even major things in my life, racism and others, that I need to change. Lord, what do I need to change about myself? 
What about my heart needs to change? What subtle things are going on that I need to change? Examine my heart, Lord. Reveal those things to me. Here's the fourth thing we ought to be doing. Celebrate the differences. Don't condemn them. God created everybody different for a reason. And praise God, he did. I'm so glad you're not all like me because you would get on my nerves in a hurry. We're different. God created us that way. We should celebrate it. Not condemn it. The fifth thing, we should understand, and this is maybe the most difficult, we should understand that all we've learned now should influence our evangelism and our mission work. If if all tribes and all languages and all people and all races are one day going to be in heaven, if Jesus died on the cross for all of those people, which that's true, then that should impact the way we witness, right? We shouldn't just witness to people that look like us, should we? We shouldn't just go to people that look like us. We should be willing to go to people that are very different from us and share the gospel of Jesus Christ with them regardless. I'm reminded of 1 Samuel chapter 16. Samuel's about to anoint King David and he goes to the house and the brothers have kind of lined up who they think is going to be the king. David is the little runt, right? They've kind of left him outside. He's not even in the house. The brothers have kind of said to to Samuel, listen, we think these are the brothers that ought to be chosen. This is the one that ought to pick from the king. The king ought to pick from these people. And Samuel is listening to the Lord. And the Lord says to Samuel, listen, don't look on his appearance or on his height or his stature because I've rejected him. For the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Like I believe, and I can say this to the church, I may not be able to say this to the world, or at least they may not listen to me. I think without Christ, true racial unity is next to impossible. But I think because of who Christ is, and because of what Christ has done, he gives us a picture and a hope of what it will one day be like. When heaven is going to be filled with every tribe, every tongue, every people group, every language, every race. We need to be praying, earnestly praying and doing everything we can to make heaven as it will one day be on earth for the sake of his glory and for his kingdom. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the truth of your word. It's clear. It's understandable, Father. Help us now to have the strength and the courage to apply it to our lives, Father. Help us to see the sin of racism, of of rejecting anybody for any reason, Father, of skin color or nationality or language or people group. Father, remind us of of this scripture that in heaven one day, all tribes, all tongues, all languages will be there. Father, give us the ability and the courage to see and understand that, to apply that to our lives. May we be the men and women of God you called us to be for the sake of your kingdom. We'll praise your name for everything that you do. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You can stand. Altar is open. An opportunity for you to come and speak to me or pray. You respond as we sing together this morning. Thank you for joining today's sermon. We would love to hear how today's message blessed you. Use the Contact Us link on our website at rosemontchurch.org. God bless.